Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter here for BeaversEdge.com, joined by Beaver's Edge writer and KGO radio host TJ Matthewson. We're back with another edition of the big podcast. Thanks again for everyone tuning in and listening. Good to be chatting with you guys again. We've got Oregon State's 2023 football schedule. It is here. TJ and I will be diving into it. Uh, early impressions. I really like how the schedule shakes out. I think there's a ton of opportunities for wins with how it shakes out. And I think it might even be a little bit more favorable than a schedule this last year that saw Oregon State uh, come away with nine regular season wins. So we'll obviously be getting into that. Uh, obviously be talking about the news of A.J. Stewart departing Oregon State uh, for Baylor. We'll also be talking about some potential uh, rumblings we're starting to hear, and uh, we'll make sure to have uh, our first uh, coaching hot board at beaversedge.com coming up later this week. TJ went on the uh, tour of Research Stadium on Tuesday. We'll be getting his thoughts on uh, how uh, the West Side's coming along. It's looking pretty darn uh, great from what I was able to see. And then uh, we'll also check in uh, with the offseason movement tracker, see, uh, kind of catch you guys up on uh, what all the movement's been like with the Oregon State football team since we last talked to you. But again, welcome back to the Edge Podcast. We've got a 2023 schedule to dive right on into. TJ, my man, how are you doing, man? How's life in Corvallis? How's life in Cajo? Good. It's been a little bit too long since we've done a podcast. I know. A couple... We've been talking for 30 minutes before we hit record. <laughs> so it's we like, had... well, we could split it into we could split yeah. it into two podcasts. We have the holidays, and I know we snuck in the DJU podcast, I think right after the holidays, and then you know, things are getting busy, getting back into a rhythm. You said yourself, you know, you're you're quite busy behind the scenes too. And it's it's been like it's a good thing like there's been you know lots of busy so far in january compared to mm -hmm. you know some previous years lots of stuff going on football team movement you know you mentioned you're calling some games as well it seems like a little busier january than normal i'm not complaining yes. mind mind you not complaining but just seems a little busier than normal a lot more to keep track of no dju yeah. to worry about last year uh we didn't carry <laughs> high school basketball last year so that go. wasn't there um yeah, uh, no new side of the stadium to tour, really. It was just a pile of rubble. Yeah, <laughs> true. So, no, one day thing, it's like, oh, okay, now we got to lay the foundation and stuff like that. And, you know, and and Brendan also, you know, still reminiscing about one bar that he went to one time in, in Seattle <laughs> on a Friday night <laughs> in Seattle. He's like, man, I can't wake up any day and not think about it. Uh, it's just like it, it's stuck in my head. I mean, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, T yeah T just yeah. a little bit. Yeah, when we went up to uh, the um, just a little uh, behind the scenes for those who are who are trying to catch up. When we went up to Seattle for the Washington game this year, uh, myself, uh, Keenan Punkocher, writer for BeaversEdge.com, and a couple other colleagues uh, that cover the Beavers, we uh, we went to uh, one of TJ's recommendations up in Seattle for just a general a drink place, and it's a a fully self serve alcohol place. First time I'd ever seen that, and. TJ now gives me a hard time that I'm obsessed with it. It's not entirely <laughs> untrue. Uh, I just think it's an awesome concept. So, you know, anyone want to look up Tapster? Uh, you know, that that that's it. But uh, Brendan, you know. Brendan's taking donations to open a franchise. If anyone wants well, to get in on the piece of the pie. Hey, you know, I mean, it's 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 true. I mean, you know, we're all asking for money these days, right? The university wants more money to retain players. Brennan wants more money to open up a skin. But no, the uh, uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely been exciting and and a good a good off season, as you mentioned, and lots of just lots of news, right? And we obviously talked about DJU and Grant Stark 
Uh, last time we did our podcast, the Beavers have gotten several more uh, transfer portal additions. We'll be getting into them a little bit later. Uh, curious to get TJ's thoughts on a couple guys. And we'll obviously be talking about the impact of AJ Stewart leaving. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a big loss. You know, I think he was one of Oregon State's kind of really hungry kind of ace coaches who was, you know, kind of, there's a reason he got hired away by Baylor. I think he was an up and comer in the business and no different than how Michael Petrie got hired away by the NFL after producing Jamar Jefferson. Uh, you produce a player that leads the Pac-12 in rushing and BJ Baylor and then the freshman of the year, back-to-back years, you know, some some bigger programs are going to take notice and that's a good thing. So we'll obviously be talking, um, you know, about that later and I I have no doubt Jonathan Smith has got his short list of people he thinks could be um, solid for the job and I expect him to make a solid hire. Uh, TJ, outside of uh, one uh, defensive coordinator who shall not be named, Jonathan Smith has a pretty good track record of hiring coaches. Right, right, yeah. And news was a little shocking to me, I guess. But it, I, it, after seeing how it transpired, AJ Stewart now gets the associate head coach tag thrown yeah. on his role too. So, I mean, you're not going to turn that down. So, no, it's, and, a, it's and, at that point where you're just like, you get a pay bump too. And it's like, well, yeah. At some I mean, point, like, you, some guys just, you know, do what's best. Certainly. And, you know, like I could see, I could see where some people would, you know, maybe say it's a, a little bit of a, not a lateral move, but not like a major jump up. It's not like he's going to Alabama or somewhere in the SEC, for example. But Baylor, you know, has had some more success than Oregon State over the last few seasons as far as BCS games and whatnot. And Dave Aranda's, you know, heck of a coach and, you know, uh, great staff and someone that if I was, you know, young and coaching and if I can get a pay bump and then be on someone's staff who I think could further elevate my profile, I get it. So, you know, we'll be diving into it and talking about some replacements uh, potentially as well. And who knows? Maybe it's an Oregon State alum. You know, who knows? Maybe, you know, a lot, lots of possibilities, I think, are, are, are um, in tow for that uh, specific situation. So we'll be talking about that a little bit. But, TJ, the schedule is here. 2023 football schedule released today uh, came a little later than expected. Usually about uh, a month earlier, we would have expected the schedule. So it was about a month behind. So must be kind of working through some things behind the scenes. But let's go ahead and run through it here. The non-conference, Oregon State will open up the season at San Jose State Saturday, September 2nd. They'll come home September 9th for the Research Stadium new home opener against UC Davis. They'll wrap up the non-conference slate against San Diego State. TJ, let's stop there first. Pretty darn good non-conference slate. You should expect to come out of that 3-0, and no? Yes. Yeah, favorable non-conference schedule, absolutely. Still don't know why they're playing on the road week one, but it's already set on yeah. the schedule. So um, the, 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 the opening of the West side is going to have to wait until week two. But regardless, you're going to be favored probably by 10 points in every game at least. Yeah. Should, yeah. should win all three games. On the show earlier today, we played the pocket schedule game of picking every game I do as it love sits that. right now. As it sits right now, and uh, both John Warren and myself had it at three and zero with this non-conference slate. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Wait, are you saying Mike Parker didn't, or was he not in the mix? Well, he's on the road. Okay, right. Got you. Got you. Just had to make he sure you weren't. He also wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say not. I just had to see you guys were dialing him up, and Parker being like. Yeah, you know, I see a loss in the first three games. Yeah. <laughs> no, never. But, uh, no, I completely agree. Um, you know, there's going to be – I'm trying to think. Like, San Diego State could be the toughest of those three just based on who they've been previously. 
Um, but even they had a bit of a down year this last year, if memory serves. San Jose State is interesting because you're going to have um, former Oregon quarterback. Um, oh, my goodness. Jay Butterfield. Jay Butterfield, thank you. Uh, most likely being their starter under center. You've also got a large contingent of what I like to call Oregon State South in San Jose State. And let me pull it up real quick here. Um, you've got, obviously, Brett Brennan, who was Oregon State's receivers coach uh, under Mike Riley and under um, um, uh, Gary Anderson briefly. You've got, let's see. There are quite a few high number of staffers uh, that, um, let's see, should have this up first. But here it is. Uh, Derek Odom was definitely uh, on Oregon State's defensive staff previously. Kevin McGiven was Oregon State's offensive coordinator, holds the same position there. Uh, Josh Oglesby spent time at Oregon State. He's down there. Joe Sayamalu, Isaac Sayamalu's dad, is down there as their defensive line coach. Lyle Moivau, former Oregon State quarterback, is an analyst on defense. Um, so that's about six or seven staffers, TJ, with deep Oregon State connections. Not like, hey, you know, you were here briefly. Like these are guys who coached for multiple years. Law Moibel, three year uh, or four year, uh, obviously a, a quarterback. So do you I mean Oregon State's talent is massively different in that game? But do you think anything kind of funky could happen with the fact that it's kind of like such a deep Oregon State like coaching staff led program? Uh, in terms of the game on the football field, probably not. Yeah. I do believe San Jose State is opening their new stadium, I think. Oh, wow. In that okay. first game, I think the, someone's got to fact check me on that. That came up on yeah. the show today. And I'm not, I wasn't like totally certain I'll check, that that check was the answer. It. But my one curious thing is um, just is that why they scheduled this game? That's the only reason I could imagine they could go on the road to San Jose State. Um, even though I, well, I don't know when they scheduled this game, to be honest. Oh yes. Okay. So it's, um, they, it, not a brand new stadium. They're renovating. So the renovation is right. supposed to be completed in August of 2023. So it's so going it's to add essentially what research stadium is doing. Yes. Not a complete tear down. I don't, I don't, I don't have a picture in front of me to see exactly. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, definitely. Uh, um, like it, that reminds me a little bit, TJ and, and you weren't here. So I kind of have to help you a little bit. But 2017, Gary Anderson's fateful final season, Beavers right. opened the year at Colorado State, brand new stadium for them. It was a bloodbath. We know it right. was a bloodbath for different reasons now and so on and so forth. But, you know, opening a new stadium like that usually brings a lot of energy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. My total guy. I remember watching that game on TV. <laughs> yeah. So. Right. Um, now the other thing that I'm curious to see real quick and as I, um, um, yeah, no. So it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to kind of see, you know, how that all shakes out. Like you said, I'm not saying the outcome is going to be any different, but I think it's going to be really cool to kind of see, you know, uh, what used to be, you know, half a dozen or so staffers that have coached with Oregon state at one point or another. So like you said, I don't see any, uh, inter any, you know, issue there or potential problem, but one of those things that I've had circled for a while, just because, you know, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely interesting. A lot of former Oregon state staffers have uh, found and called San Jose state, uh, home, but nevertheless, TJ and I have the Beavers going three, and zero out of the non-conference slate. Then you go to Washington state, TJ in mm -hmm. Pullman. How do you feel about this game? 2012 like is the last time they won. 
In Pullman? In Pullman. Correct. 2013. Pullman. 2013. 2013. Okay. Yep. I chalked this up as a win. Mostly because the Beavers' talent level, talent floor has risen, while Washington right. State's has not. So that's what I'm basing it on. But it's not an easy first game at all. So I'm like, yeah. it's like it for me. It's like a 60-40 um, at this point. And when I make these predictions, it is based on both teams having relatively good health. Um, yeah. Nothing funky has happened, and the game plays out how you know projections would so i'm exactly and and as tj pretty much just alluded to um you know we're not holding ourselves to this as we get to you know uh this next season you know we could think differently in august or you know whatever depending on how things ultimately shake out but yeah i'm with you i i I don't think it's the toughest draw i mean you look at this last year opening versus usc right it was at home i get that but opening up at washington state typically you know we even had someone on our board post and i agree You'd rather play Washington State maybe early, especially up in Pullman, than late in the year when there could be snow. I mean, TJ, September might be a real nice time to go up to Pullman. I'd never Probably made that trip. Balmy. Yeah, I've never made that trip myself, so it might be the first time I actually get to get up there and uh, check that out. So I personally, like you said, the talent floor has risen. Um, you know, I think Oregon State will be slightly favored in this game, and I, I like their chances in this. So after that conference opener, you come home for my favorite thing, TJ. Friday football games in the Pac-12. Do you actually really like Friday games? No. 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 Yeah, I didn't think so. It's gross. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you want to do one per year, I can live with it. But the fact that Oregon State was only one of two Pac-12 teams that got two Friday games, I digress. But nevertheless, the Beavers open up the Pac-12 slate at home against the Utah Utes September 29th. TJ, here is the question that I think is going to determine this game. We think anyway, and per Kyle Whittingham, Cam Rising suffered a pretty serious injury in that bowl game. It's Mm -hmm. theoretically possible he may not be 100% first couple weeks of the season. Is there any benefit to getting Utah that early? Uh, Well, the last two years of Utah football, which have been two of the best of them in the Pac-12, winning the conference, making it to the Rose Bowl, et cetera, et cetera. You know, early in the season, they weren't quite as good. They True. stumbled or out of the gate each of the first, uh, the last two years. So you think about that, but this isn't like, I guess, early enough in the schedule for that to be. And usually True. right around the week five is when they would kick into gear and really get it going. I don't know. It's still too too much to, uh, it's, it's too much to think about as we, um, uh, as we're still so far away from from the season, I like this that this game is at home. And if we're expecting Oregon State to be as good as they are, this is a game they should win, right? Yeah, I said okay. We were saying so. Next year's a Pac-12 championship season. If that's what you're expecting, you win this game. Yeah, agreed. Yes. So I couldn't yeah, break I... down the X's and O's because I <laughs> we haven't right. seen anyone play in, in camp. But right, if you're There's expecting you're expecting to go on win eleven games, this is a game you're winning. Certainly. And I, I, and you know, again, I look at how the schedule breaks out this last year, TJ and I talked over and over again about how most of the road games were difficult, tough road games. You look at how it shakes out this year. We're going to start this the week after Utah. I agree with everything you said for Utah. It's a game that if you expect to play for a Pac-12 championship, you need to win. But let's start after that. The road games this year, TJ, I really like how they've shaken out. We've obviously talked about San Jose State, Washington State after Utah, 
The Beavers go to California. Not exactly the most intimidating of road environments against a Cal team that was pretty ho-hum this last year at best. Right. And this is this is a win. Right. Yeah. As we said yeah. right now, that that is, that is right. You're expected to be better than Cal. Yeah. Uh, Justin Wilcox, I don't know where he's at. They fired their offensive coordinator after the game up here la- yeah. uh, in the fall. Because it was brutal. I mean, it was brutal. It was, they were yeah. horrible. They were horrible. They lost their starting quarterback. Jack Plummer yeah. left. Uh, I forgot yeah. where he went. Yeah, me too, actually. Yeah. Um, so, like, I don't know. They're not, like, they're not recruiting all that well. So, yeah, there's just not not much I mean, that would give could you they, a year there. Could they, you know, Justin Wilcox a good a good coach. Could they drop a good defensive game plan and maybe make you earn it? Definitely. But, again, another game that I like Oregon State into. Couple uh, first time. I didn't realize this until I saw it on Twitter. TJ, did you know the last time UCLA has gone to research? You might actually know because you were talking about it on your show today. But I'm curious. Last time UCLA came to research stadium, was I talking about it? Oh, I was just. I said you may. You may have talked about it today. I didn't know. Nope. <laughs> nope. So, do you know the last time UCLA uh, came to research stadium? No, I do not. So, Oregon, I said the last time that uh, um, UCLA came to Reese Stadium, 2015, TJ. Wow, that was, uh, that, oh, that was Josh Rosen. It was, and that was the inaugural, um, I just want to make sure I get the, it's not, I'm not really dying to go back through and uh, look up the exact score because I know it's really quite bad. Yes, uh, 41 to 0. Yeah, hmm. that's the, that's that's what I uh, that's what I remember from that game. Yeah, you know, maybe it was a sign of things to come for old Gary Lee Anderson, but you know, I digress. Um, <laughs> yeah, so first time since 2015. Um, you know, just obviously UCLA hasn't come up here very much. Uh, you know, the return of Chip Kelly to right. uh, to Reister Stadium. First time Chipper's been in Reister Stadium since oh man, 2012. Yeah, 2012 would have been. He was gone. He was gone after the 12th season, right? Halford took over 13? Yeah, so there you go. I, I think so. I, yeah, one of the two, so somewhere in there, but I think the last year. So, yeah, Chip comes back up to uh, to Reeser Stadium, obviously. TJ, I'd feel a lot different about this game if they still had DTR under center. The fact that they're going to have all likelihood Dante Moore, who, if any of you saw him play in the All-American Bowl, the dude is a stud. Um, but – just Oregon State being at home, UCLA losing a lot of senior kind of laden players from this like group that stayed and played so many mm-hmm. years. It wasn't it wasn't just DTR. There were lots of guys who were kind of there and right. kind of been there to build it up. I think UCLA is a pro- Charbonnet too. Right. I think they're a prime regression candidate. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I see this as another winnable game on the schedule. Yeah, I think so too. I'm I'm kind of, I'm really excited to watch Dante more, but yeah, nonetheless, me too. I mean, it, me this too. will be more of a more of a growth thing. And Chip's recruiting has been able to bump up a little bit when he when he physically hasn't had to recruit. Because I know that was always one of the, the things he didn't really like about college football is like traveling the country and like sitting in someone's living room and, and that wasn't Chip's all game. These things. Yeah. That yeah. wasn't really Chip's game. But now all he has to do is go, uh, hey, collective, him. Yeah, get over there, please. Yeah, exactly. Get over there, exactly. please. That's all. That's all he has to do. And that's yeah. how he got Dante Moore to know. Dante also went there because they're going to be in the Big Ten next year, and he's from Detroit, so. But you talk about, but you talk about the impact though. Right. And I don't mean to, you know, like as far as like the ripple effects, TJ, if Don, if Bo Nix doesn't return to Oregon, Dante Moore probably, no, no, no. Like it, like play the, oh, the what if, right. the what if game with me. If right. Bo Nix hadn't gone back to Oregon, I don't think Dante Moore flips. 
Do you? No, I don't think so either. Because I think he expects to play year one, which he probably would have expected to play year one at Oregon as well. Right. Um, I don't know how much it had to do with Kenny Dillingham because Kenny Dillingham, who's now the head coach at ASU, uh, is the one who recruited Dante Moore. That it was his name on the on the recruitment. So um, I don't know how much that had to do with it. But um, yeah, I think he he didn't want to sit and wait for a year. Um, and the 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 impression of being able to go back closer to home on the road yeah. uh, was also intriguing as well. Yeah, so, no, like that regardless, was, regardless, yeah. the uh, you know UCLA still could be decent; they could win eight games, but not what we saw last year. Well, that and you know, not like it really matters, but you know, I I didn't really like how UCLA ended their season. I think that's gonna nope. sit with them. And, you know, maybe, maybe not, you know, but I, I know people who are like bowl games have no impact on the next year. And it's true. Every year is a new team, new, new leaders, new uh, personalities, all those things. But I just, I think after a four year, I think five technically with the COVID year in DTR, it's just going to be, there's going to be some growing pains. Let's put it that yeah, way. Right. Um, then the Oregon buy- State should win. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. So, uh, that's seven games before the bye week. I'm not going to start throwing out records, but like if things break possible, TJ and I could see a seven and O start. Um, you know, is that likely? I don't know. I think it's a little too early still to say. Right. But you could see it right. TJ based on what we've said. Expectations are expectations. I had them. Uh, we picked today one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yep, I did have them seven. I did have them eight in them. Okay, the so here we go. So TJ teams in the next one as well. They go on a bye week after UCLA. I think the bye breaks in a good spot this year. Generally, kind of goes half and half instead of like an early bye or a super late bye. Then they go for two back to back road games and two road games that are very intriguing to me. First, they go down to Arizona, who they haven't played in a couple of years, too, as a result of the uh, old flippity-flop of the schedule. Matchup with Jed Fish and the Arizona Wildcats. Again, definitely going to be interesting. A game that I think they should win. A game they should be favored to win. However, Jed Fish has been recruiting a monster down there in uh, Tucson. And you look back at these recruiting rankings these last this last year. Outside of, you know, I believe based on rivals, Oregon State, or Oregon, Oregon State, Oregon led the conference. I think Stanford was number two, and I want to say Arizona was three or four. Um, definitely near the top. They might have dropped off a little bit, but they, you know, were buoyed by a couple five stars. Jed Fish had kind of, um, you know, recruited well. Former Oregon State uh, quarterback target Braden Dorman went there. Um, they've they got some, 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 some up and build, you know, they went five and seven this last year, TJ, but you saw the moments they were competitive against right. the teams. They're kind of a sneaky. I'm not going to say they're going to win. I think Oregon state's, but they're amongst a group of like three teams, all ironically in a row who I think are the sneaky teams. I like them in this game, but these next three teams are the sneaky teams to me. I think it's interesting. Cause like, so they lost singer. I know that he went to USC yeah, which isn't really shocking. Lincoln Riley's like one thousand yards. Yeah, and you exactly. don't have to scream. You don't have to scream at Jaden Delore on the sideline. Deal. Yeah, is that is that? I mean, Jaden Delore is back too, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I believe he had another year or two of eligibility, but his play was up and down this last year. It was. Yeah, I mean, we I think we had some higher expectations for him that actually uh, sort of came out. So when you look at, uh, I guess overall, they're I think near fifty in the 
in the recruiting rankings, and they were a lot high. They were in the the high twenties last year, or the low twenties last year, like twenty one. Maybe I was I thinking. Remember. Maybe I was thinking of last year. Yeah, they had a lot better it. class last year. They kind of came back towards the Curry norm, I guess, bit. for this year. That makes um, sense. Okay. Yeah. Good right call. in the right in the high forties. So, I, I'm I would. They, they got to make a bowl game this year because this is year number three for Jed Fish. Usually in year two, you're like, okay, bowl game at least. And right. they didn't make a bowl game. So um, that's what like – so if they are bowl game, this is upset potential for uh, for Oregon State on the road. But yeah, I see it the same way. I don't know. Is there not like – A, are they going to be schematically better or B, like is the 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 blue chip talent they recruited going to be that much better? I don't know. I haven't really right. seen it from Arizona. They've just been so bad for so long. What an awful hire. Yeah, I mean – I mean, they have not been – I'm trying to think. Like, the last – like, um, 2017 um, was the last time I think Arizona was decent and had some expectations. I think that was the last year of Kevin Sumlin's – With, uh, with, with uh, Khalil Tate. Khalil, Khalil Tate, yeah. Again, and I think that'll be one of the greatest what-ifs ever as far as a quarterback not being utilized properly. But, you know, neither here nor there. Um, you know, there was, I mean, you're talking about a guy who was a Heisman Trophy candidate at one point and then just kind of fell off, you know, Kevin Sumlin gets fired, Jed Fish comes in. It's been a, a slow process. And he never beat ASU, so. Well, there you go. So, there you go, right? <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I like that game. I think it could be sneaky, um, but I still like Oregon State in that game, which brings us to Saturday, November 4th. A matchup with? Coach Prime and the Colorado Buffaloes. No longer will the Beavers be playing. Uh, oh gosh, who was it? Was it, they were already on to Mike Sanford Jr. By the time, yeah, they fired yeah. Carl Durrell by the time they came to Reeser last year. So no more Mike Sanford Jr. No more just about anybody on that Colorado staff. No more. I mean, who knows? Might be a completely new Colorado team as Dion goes into the press conference and says, uh, "Yeah, all of you need to go into the portal." But you know, again, neither here nor there. This is a game of all the games, TJ, that scare me the most. And it's only because I think that unlike anybody that we've seen recently, the possibility for the high highs and the low lows, there's not a bigger range of outcomes, I don't think, in the Pac-12 than what Dion can ultimately do at Colorado. Not necessarily year one. So that's where it's going to benefit Oregon State greatly is there's only so much he could do in year one. Only, I mean, we saw with Lincoln Riley, right? I guess you could still be pretty darn good, but Colorado's not going to turn around like USC did. Not going to no. happen. So I'll, I'll tell you that for – you can take that to the bank, folks. Colorado wins 10, 11 games this next year. I'll wear egg on this face, and we can do a podcast and talk about it. And I might be a Coach Prime <laughs> believer at that point. Can we get, you, I, can we get you a 21 jersey? <laughs> but I, I just don't see it. Granite, we'll see. I think they will definitely be better than the doormat that they were this last year. Um, but the thing is, that late in the year, Colorado is a team that I would have rather played if you could have chose in the first half of the season because I was texting, you know, uh, Dylan Calgan Crowley, our recruiting writer, right before we jumped on with TJ. We were talking about the podcast as well, or talking about the schedule as well. And he was saying, you know, it's interesting because by that point in the season, Colorado could be like, okay, this is the first year of Dion. Let's get through it. It's been pretty rough. We've had some pretty rough results. Maybe they've only won a couple games. Or it could be the time of the year when players are starting to believe believe in him. Players are starting to run through a brick wall for this guy, right? Those kind of things. So I think when you kind of keep all that 
in there together, I understand. Like, I still think it's a game Oregon State should and can and will win, but this is the one that I see as a big time trap game. Am I off base? I have this as an upset. Ooh, look at you! It's gonna be November. It's gonna be November. It's gonna be cooler. And and I think at this point, Wait, you like getting, you, you they will they will have gotten they will have gotten into to um to into the scheme. They will have adapted and you know really start playing better. I think like. I don't think we can really underestimate the type of talent that Dion w- is able to get. I mean, he already, you know, he brought Travis Hunter with him. He brought Shadir Sanders with him, both blue chip guys. Uh, and then we look the some of the latest happenings in, uh, in the recruiting in recruiting this week, the number two player in the country, I believe um, a corner who was originally committed to Miami decommitted. And the next day is on campus with Dion. Yeah. The next day, the number two player in the whole country, a yeah. cornerback is there. And if you look at all these like top 50, top 100 recruits, like the, the their finalists for schools are uh, Alabama, LSU, Texas, and Colorado. Right. I mean, that's like the level and, of talent that's that's going to be going there. And even with just the first wave of guys that Deanna has been able to get in there. I mean, I think they'll have, he'll be he'll be a little more acclimated by November and and they'll be playing much better than they open the season where four of their first five games, uh, it goes TCU, Nebraska, uh, a cupcake. And then after, I think it's Weber state. And then after that, Oregon USC to kick yeah. off his PAC 12 campaign. So that'll be a tough start, but I think they'll be playing better. Uh, one more note. If you look at his Jackson state uh, uh, progression, so the first year they went four and three. Well, that's the year that the season they played in the spring. Uh, I kind of give Dion a pass for that. If I were to equate right. that to this year, I'd say seven and five for Dion this year. And then after sure. that, eleven and two and twelve and one. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Again, I say look at the competition. I say look at the coaches he's coaching against in that league. I'm curious to see how he's going to be when he has to coach against the Kalen DeBoers, the Jonathan Smiths, the Chip Kellys. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I totally, like I said, it's a trap game for me. I'm not going to go ahead and say upset as much as you, because I just don't think all those 18 year olds are going to have enough of an impact in year one. Do I think Colorado could be a problem in a year or two? Absolutely. But I'm a little less inclined to believe it's just going to flip instantly overnight because I hate to say it y'all, but the first time in like recorded history that a new coach has ever found success right away is like Lincoln Riley. Right, like Nick Saban went seven and Kalen six. Kalen DeBoer, Kalen DeBoer did pretty good. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Yeah, right. So it's like, but even still, like finding immediate success, going like Kalen DeBoer though comes from Fresno State. Like, I guess coaching is coaching, but I want to see him make that jump to Power Five coaching. And when you know, and he's put a, together a pretty good staff, so I'll give him that too. Surround himself with solid staff, but. That game will be interesting for sure. So that wraps up the second of our back-to-back road uh, slate, as TJ mentioned, uh, on November 4th. And TJ's getting a little political on me, coming in with a November surprise of sorts. <laughs> so, yeah, it's going uh, to be interesting. And then uh, the last three games on the slate, we'll go ahead and run through them a little quick since TJ and I have uh, talked about these matchups a little bit. We still have a couple things we want to get to here in the podcast uh, back-to-back home games against Stanford and Washington, and then finish on Friday, November 25th, a Black Friday matchup with Oregon. Uh, I said earlier, I don't love that game being the day after Thanksgiving. Not my favorite thing. Uh, I also think that's going to be a tough game. Uh, but Stanford and Washington, TJ with 
Uh, Troy Taylor getting hired at Stanford after a pretty good run at Sacramento State. Interesting to see if they are able to find any kind of rhythm in year one. Hard to say. I, I see that as a winnable game for Oregon State. Uh, and then that ultimately sets up what I think is the biggest game of the year at home and outside of Utah, and that's going to be Washington. And can you get back Michael Penix right. and get a little revenge? Right. You'd think so. The yep. defense is up to the same par that it is. I mean, Michael Penix will be, what, in his fifth season of college football? And he's going for Heisman this year. So, yes, he is. So Michael Penix wants his Heisman moment. He's winning that. He's going to have to win this game. I don't think Oregon State lets them win this game because, you know, they really did out sort of out. It seemed like they outplayed the Huskies. They're more physical. They made a yeah. bunch of plays, but they just kind of let themselves down at the end of the game and a couple of situational things that didn't really work out. But I think Oregon State will have that cleaned up by this uh, penultimate game in this uh, season. Uh, you know, Stanford – Stanford can recruit talent, and they still will under Troy Taylor. Uh, and I believe the the administration is loosening it up a little bit on grad transfers. Yeah, they are. I heard um, about that, yeah. So that'll help them out a little bit, sort of level the playing field. Uh, but I still don't know if Stanford's going to be their year one. It's going to be a big personnel change, too. Um, Troy Taylor, like, he spreads it out a little bit, doesn't he? He does. Troy Taylor's been been around. Uh, he was, um, like, I believe he was the offensive coordinator um, at Utah for a couple years. He got that position and then obviously went to Sacramento State from Utah. But prior to that, uh, he was the offensive coordinator for um, Gage Gubrud, Cooper Cup, up there at Eastern Washington when they were uh, making a whole bunch of noise. So he definitely knows offense, and I think that's going to be key for a Stanford team that's really struggled to score the ball recently right um but last but not least tj I, i'm curious what your thoughts are i'm just gonna say this the oregon game will be tough that is all oh it will that and, is all. i mean we talked oh, about last year we, we talked about last year the, the rivalry game this could be the biggest one ever yeah. but here we are a year later saying well i mean both these teams could have 10 wins entering this game they could and the way uh, when john and i were going through it earlier i'm like well this could be a playoff play-in right here. Yeah. Could be. If everything breaks right, both teams mm -hmm. are healthy. Both teams enter the game 10-1 and or 11-0. and I mean, that is a playoff elimination game. Yeah. So, I mean, imagine saying those words three years ago. Playoff elimination game. Man, that's crazy. I mean, that's why Beaver fans are excited, TJ. And just like that, there is your 2023 Oregon State football schedule. We're not definitely done breaking it down, as I'm sure uh, TJ and I will be uh, uh, pocket scheduling uh, in the many months uh, between now and uh, obviously the start of the season. Might even do it again in, in April and spring. But just real quick, because we ran out of a little bit of time in the podcast, we'll be able to talk a little bit more uh, about A.J. Stewart and his replacement once we hear more information. Make sure to stay tuned to beaversedge.com as we'll have uh, version one of our coaching hot board up. But real quick to close out the pod, TJ, just kind of want to get your brief, quick thoughts on the Research Stadium tour. Uh, just tell us uh, in a couple minutes here real quick how um, what you thought, how awesome is it going to be, and how excited can Beaver fans be about that west side? So first, I'll cover the media, Brendan. You're really going to love the press box. We, I mean, just sort of saw the shell of it. It is up there. It is, like, way up. It, you can almost see over the top of the east side of the stadium. Wow. You can see the mountains in central Oregon. Wow. It's uh, Really? Man, it, you can see the really mountains? Nice. Yeah, yeah wow. you can see the mountains okay. from up there. It's really cool. So that, that'll be a good view. Uh, then we also saw the general admission seating, I think, on the 300 level. That was nice to see. It's where the old press box was. Uh, plenty of amenities. There's still going to be, I think, concessions up there. Um, uh, press box and have multiple elevators and multiple bathrooms. Nice. Think about that. Nice. Uh, then we saw the luxury. We saw the suites, the living room suites, the founders club. 
the only thing I have with that is the overhang is a little bit is way over it. Obviously, to keep people dry, right? But, um, you can't see the scoreboard from there, but everyone's going to have a TV in front of them, I think. There, so that'll be uh, easy enough. Beaver Street was being fireproofed, yeah. so we could not see it. But hmm. I mean, just hearing the concepts from Scott Barnes and what they want for Beaver Street to be, I mean, it is literally like it's like T-Mobile Park. Have you ever been to T-Mobile Park? Yeah, a, a, a big diversity of food options, uh, drink options. Uh, all, all sorts of things. You can stand on the concourse and watch the game from field level, essentially, and watch. I mean, it's just, it's a great concept. I don't know why more stadiums don't do it, but Research Stadium's in a really unique place to be able to pull this off. And I think everyone, all Beaver fans should be very excited about it. Yeah, from the video that you, uh, obviously, we posted beaversedge.com, I heard Scott Barnes uh, mention that about Beaver Street, and something I've been excited to do. I mean, we got to cheat a little bit this year, TJ. Being media, we could walk 360 degrees around the stadium this last year, and it was fun. It was something, me as a fan who went for years before, obviously became a media member, uh, was something that, you know, I always thought was like, you shouldn't, it should be easy to link up with your friends. So I think that's going to be awesome. Um, As TJ uh, alluded to, I heard in the video that they're targeting a summer open date, not going to be rubbed up against uh, the end, like the start of the season at all, which I think is good. So lots of good things there for Oregon State and excited to uh, see what it's like when it's completed. TJ and I will definitely be all over that. That'll go ahead and wrap up this edition of the podcast. Make sure to stay tuned to beaversedge.com. As we mentioned, we're going to have a coaching hot board due up for Oregon State's new running back coach. And TJ, want to thank you for jumping on the podcast, talking the schedule. Uh, We'll be back soon, obviously. And, uh, yeah, sounds like we're going to need to uh, do another one real soon because we kind of ran out of time to talk about everything we wanted to touch on. Yep, that sounds good. All right, well, thanks again for listening to the Edge Podcast. We'll be back soon with another edition.